And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our focus will not be on the metaphysical or spiritual. We're going to focus on international developments with an individual who has a tremendous amount of wisdom. I don't know where you get your news from. I don't know if you watch TV, read newspapers, listen to radio shows, but I think one of the best things that you can do is to find people that have accomplished many great things and ask them questions. Ask people who are knowledgeable about the ways of the world questions. You'll not only learn about the world, but I think you'll learn about yourself. So every time we do a show, I always consider it a huge responsibility to bring someone to your attention that can teach you something about the world and teach you something about yourself. And our featured guests will do both tenfold. Let us begin. It is a great honor to welcome to the show today best-selling author, world-renowned speculator, libertarian philosopher, Doug Casey. I'm about Doug by going to his website at caseyresearch.com. Mr. Casey, welcome to our show. First time. Great honor to have you with us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, although here for me today is uh, in Uruguay uh, on a farm I have outside of Punta del Este. So I guess uh, you're trying to get as far away from people as possible right now. Do you think that um, the world's getting a little too crazy? Well, I've said for years that when things really come unglued, I plan on watching it from a remote location on my widescreen as opposed to out my front window. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the way it's turned out. Uh, although I've got to say that uh, this hysteria going on about COVID is vastly overblown. It's uh, 95% hysteria, 5% reality. But still, it's very pleasant to be here, uh, surrounded by a thousand acres and cows and horses and and uh, dogs, which I have too. That's awesome. I read your articles a lot on CaseyResearch.com. I also go to Lou Rockwell. And one of the things I really enjoy is the the passion that you have and how comprehensive you are in your reports. And one of the things I see that you've been discussing is about the future. I guess it doesn't look too bright for America, that we're seeing a more trajectory towards greater government control. Well, in the midst of the government control and getting progressively worse, we also see economic conditions getting progressively worse. Is the monetary system, is that basically the health of the state if we have a currency crisis where the state is no longer able to provide something of value to its workers or to its goons, 
does that make the state weak? Does that actually collapse the power of the state, at least in the projected short term? <clears throat> well, uh, let me start out by saying that uh, I don't believe in the state as an entity. Uh, I don't worship it, which is what most people do. One of the problems, big problems that we have today is that the uh, whole world revolves around government and what the government does. And uh, that's entirely improper, in my point of view. If you're going to have a civil society, uh, the force of the state and government should be limited to an absolute minimum. Uh, police, uh, court system, and an army. And you can make the argument that those three functions are so important that they're too important to be left to the kind of people that go to work for the government. So... Uh, let me start off by saying that. Uh, also, let me mention that uh, I actually do a weekly article on internationalman.com, uh, much more than on kcresearch.com these days. So. All right. I'm also getting the emails from that as well. But when I've read, read some of these recent articles, you see a future of where there's going to be more government control. And is what is the basis for that power? Is it from the ability or the inability of people to think rationally to to stand up for their freedom is that where the control comes from does the control come in from the federal reserve which can just print money out of thin air and continue to give the government the capability of acquiring assets to suppress the people so i'm like wondering if the, if the people no longer consent or if the monetary system no longer functions or, or we have like a, a collapse of the dollar does that um, collapse the ability of the government to control others, or does that just continue on? They just figure out another way to control us. Yeah, well, we're headed towards a chaotic situation. There's no question about that uh, in my mind. You mentioned the Federal Reserve. Uh, most Americans seem to think the Federal Reserve is a part of the cosmic firmament. Um, it was created in 1913, and it's uh, it's responsible for the number of dollars in existence today. And they're printing them up by the trillions now. Uh, the government running huge deficits, and the government runs deficits, and the Federal Reserve buys the government's bonds. And by depositing new Federal Reserve notes in commercial banks, that's how the money supply expands. Uh, the Federal Reserve uh, should be abolished. Uh, people forget that we used to use uh, gold as day-to-day -day money. Money should be just a medium of exchange and a store of value. It shouldn't be a political football, which it is today. But the problem is, with the uh, government running gigantic deficits, uh, first of all, the, the national debt cannot be and will not be paid off. Any, at any time. Uh, what's going to happen is it's going to be inflated out of existence. Uh, and, and this is going to be catastrophic uh, in an advanced industrial economy like the U.S. It's one thing when Zimbabwe destroys its currency. It's something else when the U.S. destroys its currency because the U.S. dollar is the uh, main reserve of most foreign central banks. So the dollar goes down, 
and most world currencies are going to go down with it. Uh, it's going to destroy world trade. It's going to result in chaos, uh, the collapse of banks, insurance companies. Um, now, this is the stock market. It's, um, it's, it's bad news what's going on right now. And it's just starting. It's just starting, uh, the, the chaos that, that we're seeing. You've lived in 10 countries, and it says that you visited over 175. If you look at how people live, do you find that in every country there is generally a situation where you have like an alpha, uh, an alpha on top, where people are inclined to live under a government, even if it's a terrible one? Is that how it generally works? Do you, have you seen other situations where you have um, an, a, like a society that's anarchist, where there's no leader, everyone kind of cooperates, uh, and it's voluntary? Have you ever seen that where it's successful? Do you think that could ever happen in the U.S., or do you think that based on the mentality of the people right now, based on the last three generations of how they've been groomed and how they've been raised, that they are naturally inclined to basically live under the boot of a tyrant or a, a person who decides that they want to take power? Well, humans are primates. We're, we're like chimpanzees. And in every group of chimpanzees, there's an alpha male. And it's not just Americans. Americans used to be um, better than most other nations, I've got to say. Um, but uh, look, all over the world, in India, uh, Modi is uh, a veritable dictator. Uh, in China, Xi is a veritable dictator. Uh, right there, we're talking about 40% of the human race. Um, in Argentina, across the river from where I am right now, um, they've, they've re-elected Christina Kirchner, uh, Fernandez, who wants to be a dictator. Uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil uh, is a veritable dictator. I mean, all over all over the world, uh, uh, there are strong men that are popping up. It's starting to resemble the 1930s, actually, where uh, the world was run by strong men, Franco and Hitler and Mussolini and Roosevelt. Uh, it's when the going gets tough. People want somebody to kiss their problems and make it better. So strong men arise to uh, straighten out the chaos. But the chaos is caused by government. I mean, my favorite country in the world has long been Switzerland. If you go out into the street in Zurich and you ask the average Swiss, uh, who's the president of Switzerland? Chances are good he won't even know because it's irrelevant. Uh, and that's the way... That's the way it ought to be. Great. And I love this. I would say I love it, but I'm very well of the book called The Fourth Turning. And I think it's by Neil Howe. It says that we're in the we're in the final phase, I guess, of the U.S. Either it's either going to go, we're either going to continue, or we're not going to continue. But it's we're definitely in some tumultuous period of time. And I believe that he cites that usually during the fourth turning, the individual becomes marginalized, and then we the, the institutions we turn to institutions, and then we look to reform them. And this is where I have a major disagreement with it because I feel like at this point, if there's going to be any way out of the current paradigm that we're in, it is going to be returned to the individual and a turning away from these collaborated uh, 
bloated uh, you know, bureaucracies that have just weighed everyone down. And maybe the realization that one size does not fit all, at least 300 million Americans. Do you foresee a positive step out of the current paradigm right now with return to individual liberty? Do you see that on the horizon? Is that possible? And if so, what could be one of the things that would actually trigger a uh, new renaissance, a new revolution, where the individual becomes the center and the individual becomes and restores liberty? Well, here's the real problem. And I really like uh, Strauss and Howe's books, uh, both Generations, the first one, and um, The Fourth Turning, the second one. And I do recommend that um, uh, all your listeners read both of those books. It's an excellent, um, cogent view of history, but I think there's a little bit more to it that I'd like to draw your attention to. It's that, um, in point of fact, uh, the so-called intellectuals have long since taken over the school system in the U.S. Look, it used to be going to college was a rare thing. Most people didn't do it, okay? Uh, but always, uh, there's been a concentration of uh, leftists and collectivists in the universities. And now, everybody goes to college, and all of the professors, practically all of them, uh, are cultural Marxists. And the problem is, is that when kids go to college, they basically have empty heads. Um, and the figures of authority, uh, their professors in college, fill their heads with all kinds of false ideas, false ideas on economics, false ideas on politics, false ideas on the way the world works generally. And it's much harder to unlearn something once you've learned it. Uh, it's, look, it was Will, Will Rogers said, the problem isn't uh, what people don't know, it's what they think they know that just ain't so. And when kids go off to college today, they're indoctrinated. In fact, it's worse than that because uh, high school, the textbooks and the teachers uh, subtly, if not overtly, uh, put these same ideas into their heads. In fact, it's even in grade school where grade school kids all are taught to believe that global warming uh, is a fact and something the government should do, should do something about it. Uh, so the entire culture of the U.S., which was kind of the last and best bastion of freedom in the world, uh, has been overwhelmed. So the culture uh, of the U.S. has been destroyed. Now, when is it going to turn around? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, the world is actually devolving towards. Um, I agree with you more. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if it's more Orwell's 1984 or uh, Huxley's um, uh, Brave New World uh, or, or a combination of both. But uh, the trend is still in motion and the trend is down. Uh, and if you're a libertarian, like I am, you feel like um, you're not even a rounding error uh, on the population. And I don't doubt that a couple of years from now, uh, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation in public. Uh, the reason being 
that when things are bad, um, well, it's why H.L. Mencken dummied up during World War One and World War Two, because if you say something that sets you apart from the um, pack of chimpanzees, uh, they might tear you apart. So um, I wonder if we'll even be able to have this conversation next year. Me too. It's getting really crazy. I'm not, you know, I talk to to neighbors and I talk to friends and say, hey, you know, I'm one of those people where I love freedom. And my love for freedom has only grown. And it's like, I, I love it. I'm on, I'm on fire for freedom. I love it. I always want to expand it. And most people I talk with, they don't care. They don't care. And it's just, it's really sad. And then some people had a, no problem setting up fireworks for the 4th of July. I, I felt like it was, I was at a funeral that day. I couldn't, it was like, it was so heartbreaking. Especially because mm. you, you don't understand how beautiful freedom is and how wonderful it is. And why wouldn't people want to fight for this? But um, if we look at the coming crash, if we have a major event that completely challenges people's faith in government and institutions. And say, for example, those people no longer have confidence within those institutions and the state's only option is naked aggression towards the, the people. How long could that potentially last? Do, do you think that if you're looking at the U.S. right now, does the U.S. The government or the powers that be have the control on the minds and hearts of the people the way previous repressive totalitarian regimes have had on their people? Is the U.S. any particularly different? Does the government have a greater control or exert greater will upon the people than other tyrannical regimes have had? And if not, do you think that because the U.S. maybe has 400 million guns and some fraction of a foundation where people once experienced freedom, that that is a glimmering sense of hope that other nations and other previous people who have lived under tyrannical regimes didn't have? Well, I wouldn't count on uh, the fact that a lot of Americans still have guns, not nearly as many as it used to be. I mean, look, when I was a kid, uh, I remember one time I flew from Chicago to Washington, D.C., and I put my rifle, uh, a 22 and a shotgun, and my 22 pistol just carried them onto the plane and put them in the overhead with me. And nobody said anything. I'm not kidding you. And I flew back on a plane in the same way. Here's a kid, obviously got a, a, a got, uh, you know, uh, two long guns in a, um, you know, gun case. And nobody, nobody even thought about it uh, from the beginning to the end. So things have changed a lot uh, as far as the, the way the average American feels about his guns and uses his guns. But, um, you can forget about uh, Americans, uh, armed Americans resisting the government. Uh, I mean, we'd be squashed like bugs. Enti- uh, entirely apart from the fact that at this point, 50% of, of Americans are on some type of psychiatric drug, Ritalin or Prozac or Zoloft. Or, there's about 100 of these things. Uh, that makes it less unlikely. Uh, and the other half of Americans are, at least the young ones, are sitting in their mother's basements playing video games. So not likely they're going to do anything. Uh, the government is organized. 
and the military and the police do what they're told because that's where their paycheck comes from. So the idea of uh, any kind of active resistance to a criminal government, eh, it's pretty un- pretty unlikely. Well, you mentioned something though that the police and the ability they get their paychecks, but if those paychecks are no longer clear because you have the currency crisis and there's no value to the currency, does that actually provide a once in a maybe three generation opportunity for freedom to take hold? Because now the state has no way of paying for their goons. I'm wondering, do these people that are loyal to the state are they only loyal to the state because they're getting paid because the state's a way for them to to, to survive? And if the state's not providing a way for them to survive, then what loyalty do they have? Are people necessarily, do they have the same passion and allegiance to the U.S. that other people, like, say, German soldiers once did to, to Hitler? I mean, do, do, do we see the same kind of passionate loyalty where people would still continue to act on behalf of the state even if they weren't getting paid? Well, look, the police and the military, uh, actually, their first loyalty is to their compatriots, to their buddies, it's to other soldiers, to other police. That's their first loyalty. Their second loyalty is to the uh, government that writes their paychecks. And of course, as you point out, uh, that might become problematical in the future. Or, or and, and their third loyalty is to the general public that they say they protect and serve. But actually, at least in the case of the police, uh, they generally, this, we're not living in Andy Griffith days anymore. We live in the days of militarized police, where police generally see it as us against them. Uh, so I don't look for much help uh, in that direction. Actually, I think the U.S. is heading towards a actual civil war because the um, people in the red counties and the blue counties, as you're well aware, uh, can't talk to each other. They're, they're not at all on the same wavelength. They, in fact, they actually hate each other. I mean, it, it's really very I, serious. I think it's going to happen. I was reading a couple articles. I always go to Zero Hedge, and I forget who it was. To, it laid out an actual plan about how, why the U.S. is most likely going to head towards the Civil War. And think about the Roman Empire. They split it up in two. And I just don't understand. Like, I think that that is a wonderful idea. I don't understand why each well, state should be its own right. entity. Well, not only that, that was it, it, it was it, it was uh, split up in, in, in two uh, under under actually four uh, to start with under Diocletian. But uh, later on, uh, there were the troops put up their own emperors, and it it just fell apart generally, where provinces became independent and it was worth, look, a civil a civil war is really a horrible thing. It would be nice if um, the Red Counties could just secede uh, peaceably from the U.S., but the chances of that happening are really slim. I mean, it happened to the Soviet Union, which broke up into peaceably into uh, 15 countries. It happened in Yugoslavia broke up into six countries. Czechoslovakia broke up into two. Um, The United Kingdom uh, may well break up into uh, England and Scotland and who knows, maybe Wales too. Uh, And this is a good thing. So uh, it'd be a good thing if the U.S. 
uh, broke up into separate countries where people share share their common values. The problem is that the U.S. has turned into um, it, it, it's not a, a country where people share culture and values anymore. It's become a multicultural domestic empire, and, and that makes it very unstable. And the fact that people are starting to look upon themselves um, as part of the lowest common denominator, where first and foremost, some of these people say, I'm black, number one. Forget about being an individual. My identity is blackness or Hispanic or whatever it is. Um, well, to me, this is degrading. And, and uh, you know, a sane human doesn't think of himself according to an accident of birth. But these people do. And um, it, it's, it just can't end well at this point. I'm looking for I'm always looking for the hope or something that could turn things around. I mean, we recently did a show with a gentleman named Chris Dwayne, and he has been predicting and sharing about the, the coming crash for, I don't know, for 15 years. And I'm saying, like, there's got to be a couple factors that, that can come in because we had a, a dark factor that was the COVID. So I guess people didn't see this coming. Well, I guess the elites, maybe they saw it coming. Maybe this was part of their plan. Who knows? But are there any, like, can you think of any two or three factors that could happen which would put humanity, at least in America, on a different trajectory? Do you think that is there any uh, particular event that has happened throughout history that has pulled a society on the brink of destruction out of that? Do you think it could be a, like a, you know, maybe a catastrophic event that impacts all people? That's why I was referring to the collapse. Could it be a, um, you know, an event that happens to Earth? I, I wonder if we're on the cusp of another mini ice age because of people are because of the happening. So, is there anything you, uh, that you think that would could trigger a hope to break out in the U.S.? Well, look, uh, I believe I believe in very few laws. But one of the laws that I do believe in is the second law of thermodynamics. And it basically it can be phrased a number of ways, but one but it basically says that uh, barring outside inputs, everything winds down, everything degrades, everything slows down and falls apart over time. And this happens to everything from the human body to corporations to governments and countries. Uh, and I will point out that the government and the country are two totally different things. The government's like a parasite on top of the country. So the other thing I'd, I'd mention, along with uh, just what the, the second boss says, is that uh, trends in motion tend to stay in motion until they reach a crisis of some type. And when that happens, anything can happen. Look, uh, in 1789, there was the French Revolution. If I'd been there at that time, I would have been all for overthrowing, uh, Louis says, uh, positive thing. Except when things wind down and you reach this crisis chaos, things usually get worse, not better. Because after, after, uh, after Louis uh, fell, then they got Robespierre. Uh, that was really bad. And then they got Napoleon. That was even worse. Uh, he resulted, uh, resulting in the death of probably six million Frenchmen. I mean, even the, the terror 
Um, under Robespierre, it was only 40,000 dead people. Uh, the Russian Revolution. I would have been all for getting rid of Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, but then what happened? It was replaced by Lenin. And that was bad. But then after he died, it was worse. They got Stalin. So when the old regime collapses, it usually gets worse. It, it doesn't usually turn into a rebirth of freedom or anything like that. Uh, no, it's, uh, I, I'm not that very optimistic. This is why I've said for many years that uh, your biggest risk today is not the financial markets, which are very risky, incidentally, uh, very risky indeed. Uh, that's another thing that uh, this can be like a, the final nail in the coffin of what's going on right now. At least now, the stock and bond markets are all-time highs. So at least some people have a, well, they feel pretty good. Their, their pension's okay. Their account with uh, their stockbroker's okay. That can change radically. Uh, then what happens? Now this is this is really uh, really serious. Mr. Doug Casey, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, and for sharing your wisdom. Again, Doug is the best-selling author, world-renowned speculator, libertarian philosopher. You can learn about him by going to his website at caseyresearch.com, and the other one is is it internationalman.com? Internationalman.com. And let me make a. a commercial, if sure. I may. Please. Um, I'm, um, I've written uh, five financial nonfiction books. Two of them were on the New York, New York uh, Times bestseller list. One was number one for many weeks. But I'm now writing novels, uh, a series of seven novels. The first one is called Speculator, and the second is called Drug Lord. It's about our hero who... Um, goes from one occupation to another and reforms them because he's a good guy. Uh, and this one that will be out in about a month is called Assassin, which I think might be topical. People are going to think Assassin. That must be about killing Trump. Uh, but it's not. It's about political assassination generally. And uh, is it a good thing or a bad thing, moral or immoral? Uh, so I urge your uh, your listeners to uh, in a month check on that and, and check on the other two speculator and drug lord you don't want to fall behind they're both very very good pieces of uh, fiction if i do say so myself oh, we're looking forward to reading them we'll, we'll definitely promote links to them mr casey thank you so much okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the out of limits of the truth radio show special thanks to our awesome guest mr doug casey and special thanks as always to our virtues Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarity, as well as our associate producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening, and please feel free to share our shows. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. 
Golden McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. 